Feng Shui is the ancient Chinese art of balancing the flow of energy in your surroundings. Is there an ideal balance and flow for patients visiting the doctor's office? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today is Elizabeth Woodcock, author of the newly released third edition of Mastering Patient Flow and author of the DVD, The Efficient Physician, available on her website, elizabethwoodcock.com. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you. So we're talking about optimizing patient flow, and what really do you gain by kind of making changes that move patients more smoothly through the doctor's office? Larry, I really think there are two different benefits, two different very important benefits, both strategic as well as financial. And if I may, strategically, let me mention that, you know, one of the challenges and pushbacks I get from many physicians is, well, what's so different today than it was 20 years ago? Why does my flow, quote-unquote, have to be improved? Well, I have to tell you, there's a new generation of patients that you're seeing in your office, and those generations really grew up on the Internet. And whether we like it or not, I like to call them the generation now because they want it now. They are not willing to wait an hour or two to see the doctor. So patient flow from a strategic perspective really, really is reaching, is speaking to that generation of patients. Well, what do you do with an old-timer, a doc who's been in practice for 20 years and is used to making their patients wait for an hour and their patients put up with it and uh, they are unwilling to change? Well, frankly, there are certainly some physicians that I know, even though I'm a huge proponent of mastering patient flow and becoming more efficient, will essentially not change. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you, I have seen and, and had many physicians who've walk down the street or taking the turn into the Target store or CVS and seeing retail clinic, ready clinic, take care health clinic, et cetera, and realize that their competition is here, it's now, and they have to change. Unless they want to stick their head in the sand and pretend it's not there. Absolutely. Which they do. What kind of financial benefits are there to the practice besides just treating them and treating them? Well, I think that that is really important and really is the second larger category of benefits in terms of becoming more efficient. And that is because the reimbursement system for professional fee services in the United States pays you for seeing patients. That is very different, actually, interestingly enough, than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago under this thing called capitation, right. where essentially it paid you to keep patients away the from office. the office. And now we're in a fee-for-service environment. We truly are. There's tiny pockets of capitation. But today, seeing patients, being more efficient, actually is really what your bottom line is all about. You are the world's expert on flow. You've written the book. What are some of the basic principles that uh, an office can kind of start with that, that uh, without reading your book? I mean, what, what's the bare-bone basics that you've got to get in place? Well, I actually can sum up the very bare-bone basic to a physician's practice really with one concept, is recognizing that your most important asset your most important asset is your physician's time. And I have to tell you, it sounds really simple, but if you look at what a doctor does, actually, ironically, they're often the only person in the office without a job description. So what does that mean? Yes, it means they're doing a lot of stuff that, frankly, is outside of patient care and their billable time. 
And the beauty of really leaning towards that notion of the asset being the physician's time is not only is that strategically and financially beneficial from the practice, but for goodness sakes, it's what the patient wants. They want the doctor's time. And so truly to master patient flow, it's to funnel, it's to strategically implement flow around that doctor's time. Elizabeth, I assume you need an office that gets along, that talks to each other. So communication seems to be quite critical in patient flow. Do you agree? Absolutely. And in fact, I would suggest starting it at several days in advance by making sure that we preview all of the patient's charts that are coming in and really get everybody on board, even from that perspective. And then the morning of, and I even suggest that the beginning of the afternoon uh, clinic... Are you going to say the no, huddle? Are you going to mention the huddle? I'm going to mention the huddle. Tell us about the huddle, because uh, I love the huddle. I think the huddle is a great concept. It's not a meeting, Larry, because if you call it a meeting, nobody's going to show up. It really is a two- to three-minute powwow, if you will, with the physician or if we're supporting a physician assistant, a nurse practitioner, an audiologist, another mid-level provider, they are in charge. It essentially is the care team that is working with that provider, that provider, the nurse, the medical assistant. I'd also invite a scheduler. And essentially what it is is to go over the agenda for the day, which really means go over the appointment schedule. Mm -hmm. And then so see, like, okay, this person's coming in, they might need an extra five minutes here. This person's coming in, they're a pain in my side, and uh, I hate them. We want to get them in and out. Uh, this person needs this test. So you're kind of just trying to um, troubleshoot. Well, and really the analogy is like a football play. I mean, if you think about it, you've got a huddle before the play. Those guys have worked together for years and years, but they need two or three minutes to say, all right, I need you here, we're going to do this, et cetera. Really, it's to plan. And furthermore, if I may mention, I think one of the greatest values of the huddle as well is from a scheduling perspective. Who was admitted last night? Who is predictably not going to show up? Mm -hmm. Who is going to take less time? And therefore, therefore, as patients call in through the morning, the scheduler is going to be empowered with the knowledge of where it's going to work best for the team to place patients who may call in for acute appointments. The huddle requires that the members of the huddle are somewhat empowered and can have their voices heard, and it's just not the doctor saying, do this, do this, do this, do this. Correct. However, I really think that the physician should be part of the huddle. I do know some practices where it's just the support staff, but I think ideally with the physician there, he or she, of course, has the knowledge to say, well, I like that strategy, but you know what, it's not going to work because of X, Y, and Z. So I think that really the team-based approach is the best. And once again, I'll ask what I always ask. What do you do with the doctor that is um, anti-huddle, anti-change? How do you how do you show them or teach them the benefits of the huddle? I think it's a great question. And certainly, even having them with the support staff alone is going to be advantageous. But I think that really trying, you know, oh, my gosh, we're going to do this little meeting, and the physician walks by on the nurse's station, and eventually he or she may say, well, you know what, I'd like to join you because I think this really will work. Or at the very least, doctor, can I have some notes that we can take to the huddle so that essentially we make the day better for you? Because that's exactly what our goal is. Yeah, right now it's the doctor makes the day worse for all of their staff because if they had a huddle, they'd be able to preempt all of these uh, potential interruptions. Absolutely. 
do most offices need a computer system to kind of support smooth flow? Well, certainly I would suggest that most workflow techniques are regardless of technology. However, they can certainly be enhanced by technology. Although I always tell people, if you think getting an electronic medical record solves the flow problem, think again. Because the most dysfunctional practices are made even more dysfunctional by an electronic medical record. In other words, it's not the technology itself, it's the way you apply it, and it's the core work processes that you have in place. When you place that application in there, and that really is giving you a win-win. Yeah, you need you need an EMR that uh, takes in account your specific particular flow of your office, because every office is different. Absolutely, and if you think about going back to our most important principle, which is the physicians, the billable providers' time is our greatest asset. We all know that physicians work differently, and so when we take that into account, we're placing technology into our practices. I think that really is the situation that there is no one size fits all. There is no ideal way. It's taking that time into account. Let's start with the front staff. Doctor is running an hour behind. Uh, what should the front staff say, and what can they even do? I mean, can they be empowered to call the last few patients of the day and say, listen, uh, uh, please come an hour later? You ever see that happen out there in the real world? I certainly do, although I would suggest that we actually can't wait until we're an hour late. In fact, most surveys show that patients tolerate about 20 minutes. But what's interesting is that if you indeed at the 20-minute mark make an effort, actually, frankly, make it a policy to go up to the patient, I recommend not shouting to them to come to the window, but actually physically presenting to the patient and discussing, you know, the physician is running behind, what options can I give you? What would you like me to do for you, patient? Nine times out of ten, if we give the patient the respect, the courtesy of informing them, they're happy to wait. I think it's when we fail to do so that we have a problem. Right. I, I know in my in my office, um, I have a partner who runs an hour behind, and I run on time. And I get, you know, they approach me when when a patient is uh, irate and wants to leave and says, "Will you see the patient?" And I say, "Of course, I will." And then they go to the patient and tell the patient, and the patient says, no, no, I'll, I'll wait. And so I like that 20-minute option where you, where you go up to them and you personalize it and you, and you give them some sense of control by saying, do you want me to reschedule? Do you want to wait? Do you want to see another doctor? That's, that's nice. Good one, Elizabeth. You should write a book. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about your book, Mastering Patient Flow. What, who should read it? Should it be just the doctor or is it for the whole office? Well, the book is actually in its third edition. It was originally published in 2000 and is now coming out with its third edition in 2007. And a lot of it actually has been written according to the principles of lean thinking, which is based on the Toyota production system that's been in place for years and years at Toyota. But really, lean thinking is expanding into many service industries and has some very, very good principles. But you know what? The nice part about this book is that it is very, very basic from the perspective of you can read it. It's not theoretical with one exception, the first chapter, 
to really describe lean thinking to say why it applies, but the rest of it is all meat. You can take it, you can read it, and the next day you can put in place 20 ideas. And truly, there are 20 ideas from great practices that I've had the wonderful opportunity to visit and to say, wow, how do you do this? And that's really why when, it, when I look back 10 years ago, I wanted to write this because I knew there were some practices that are really doing some great things. And in fact, it's their ideas using a little bit of the lean thinking that are in this book. Who should read it? Doctors, administrators, support staff, many health systems actually now distribute it to their new physicians as well as um, new employees that are working in physician practices as a real primer as to the operations of a practice. Elizabeth Woodcock, thank you so much for coming on the show. Larry, thank you very much. We've been talking about uh, optimizing patient flow. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening. <laughs>